Thank you, everybody. Um, I don't do this, so be patient with me. I want to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for the prayers. Thank you for believing because God healed me. When I was laying in the hospital, I had a lot of people telling me, God has something special for you. I always thought that I was the one that was supposed to financially help my brothers and sisters because they're all missionaries. So I thought that was my job. But after what happened, God told me, I want you to go tell everybody that prayed for you what I've done for you. I still perform miracles and I'm still in charge. On February 25th, my wife took me into the emergency room about 2 o'clock in the morning, and they had to take about a gallon, 1,500 liters of fluid out of my system. And when they did that, they found my kidneys had shut down. I went up to renal kidney failure. They moved me into ICU, and when I was in ICU, I went into cardiac arrest. For five minutes, they pumped, or they... they Worked on my chest with the, the CPR to bring me back. And while that was happening, I saw myself leaving my body. And there was these three angels or spirits dressed in beautiful white, huge, huge, massive people, men, I would assume. And they had me by the hand and they were taking me. And I said, I'm not ready to go yet. I have a wife and kids. They let go of my hand, and the next thing I knew was the nurse saying, he's back. That's all I remember for four days. And then when I woke up, they finally brought me out on a, on a Wednesday afternoon. And I had tubes, and I had IVs, and I had nine IVs in this arm, and I had one in my jugular. I was on, on uh, slow dialysis because my kidneys weren't working. And... Uh, they pulled the tube out, and, and I really couldn't talk, but I whispered to my wife. I said, did I die? And she said, no, no, you're here with me. And I said, no, but I felt like I died. Did I die? And she was afraid to tell me the truth, so she said no. Well, later on that afternoon, I asked the nurse. I said, did I die? And she bluntly said, yeah, you did. You were gone for five minutes. We weren't sure we were even going to get you back. Then they were worried for brain damage or heart damage. And I, just, I was just believing in God. My dad always said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. And I always wanted to see that mountain move. And I guess I did. <sighs> so that night, um, that, that, no, after that, I went into, I went into uh, dialysis on Friday for four hours. And uh, when I came out that night, I told my wife, I said, I wonder what God has planned for me. Everybody's telling me he has something planned. So we prayed, and that night God told me, he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to tell everybody the story of what's happened. Let them know that the miracles are still happening because so many people don't believe. So... Let me, let me switch pages here. 
I knew God heard my prayers when I was diagnosed with renal kidney failure and he said I was going to be on dialysis. That Saturday morning he came in and says, we're not going to have to do dialysis today because your kidney started functioning. We're going to wait till tomorrow. So on Sunday morning he came in and again he said, we're not going to do dialysis today either. Your kidneys continue to get better. We'll wait till tomorrow. Well, it happened again on Monday. Finally, on Tuesday morning, he came in and told me, he says, Toby, short of calling it a miracle, I can't explain it, but your kidneys are functioning. Thank God. I didn't have to go back on dialysis, and I haven't been back, and I believe in God that I never will have to go back. My kidneys, on, uh, the doctor in Albuquerque, I'm, I'm seeing some specialists, and the doctor in Albuquerque told me on Wednesday that my kidneys are back to what they consider my normal, and it's a, it's a 1.3. I don't know if anybody understands that, but a 1.3, and he says because of my age and, and everything I've been through, that's probably going to be my normal, but I won't need dialysis. They found an infection in one of the valves in my heart, and I've been on... on um, uh, antibiotics for six weeks now. I'll be done on Wednesday. And I'm believing in God that the valve is healed and there won't be any scar tissue. Uh, I just, like I said, I just, I just don't know how to thank everyone for all the prayers because God heard them and he's healed me. And I'm here to say that thank God for the healing. Because it was, it was difficult. I, one more thing in closing is, you know, when I did die, when I did die and they were taking me, it was beautiful. It wasn't scary. It was so peaceful. It didn't hurt. And so I just said to myself, if that's what dying's about, oh, I could barely wait. Man, I'll tell you what, it was, it was awesome. And, you know, so many people, I think, are afraid to die because it hurts. Believe me, it didn't. And I just thank God he brought me back. But if he hadn't, it would have been all right, too. Thank you. God bless you. Hang on a second. I'm on a, Michelle, where are you? You'll come on up, and we want to just lay hands on you if it's okay. Is that okay, Toby? We're going to pray for your complete healing and restoration. And family members and friends, if you guys want to come up and just kind of join us, we want to lay hands on him. And I think we have an uh, anointing oil here. We're going to anoint you both with oil and pray over you. And um, you're going to see uh, God continue to bring complete healing and restoration in your life. Grateful, grateful for your testimony. Great story, Toby and Michelle. Love you guys and excited to see what God's going to be doing in the future. So we anoint you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And pray, Father, that uh, your word says that Jesus is the great physician 
Lord, we just pray that your uh, healing power, your restoration power, your resurrection power would come upon both of them right now, Lord God. That uh, great physician, we pray that you would overshadow their house with healing in your wings, that you would bring complete healing and deliverance and uh, uh, just a soundness of body and mind and uh, spirit to them, Lord. And we bless them in the name of your son, Jesus. And thank you for this testimony, God. We give you the honor and glory for the great things that you have done, Lord. We bless and praise your holy name. Amen. Am I on? Okay. So let me just, I'm going to share just a, a few minutes, the word, but this is our first uh, Sunday, our, what we call our family Sunday, communion Sunday. So I'm, I'm going to take a couple of minutes, share some of the word with you, and uh, then we'll partake in communion. Um, you know, we're, we're entering into, uh, I think we've got next Sunday is Palm Sunday, and Sunday after that is Easter Sunday. Just giving you guys a, just a little bit of a heads up, remember we said that uh, starting next Sunday, Palm Sunday, going through Easter, we would start the Daniel fast again. Uh, so uh, whatever fast you want to do, you can do Daniel fast, you can do just a water fast, you can, you know, just, it's, this is between you and God. But this is the time where those of you that need a breakthrough in your life, you need some of God's extra anointing, extra power in your life, need a breakthrough. Maybe you need a breakthrough in your marriage or relationship or in your finances or in your health or with your children. And this is when you're telling God, I'm getting serious, Lord, and I really need to press in. I want you to hear me right now. But starting next Sunday, whatever fast you choose, it can be a, you know, maybe skip two meals a day and just have, you know, an evening meal. You can do the Daniel fast, which is no meat, no sugar, no breads, no carbs. Um, you can just do a water fast. Whatever you want to do, juice fast, whatever you want to do, this is between you and God. But we'll be meeting here starting Sunday night, a week from today, we'll start uh, at 6.30, we'll have worship and prayer here uh, at the light from 6.30 to 7.30. And we'll do that all week long from uh, Palm Sunday to that Saturday before Easter. <clears throat> um, I want to just, because we're in that season, the resurrection season, I want to share with you this morning a message on the power of resurrection or resurrection power. And, um, you know, we really celebrate, we celebrate two, two days. Uh, one other thing, too, I failed to mention is on Good Friday, uh, we're going to do like we did last year. We'll have a Good Friday service here uh, from 12 to 1 o'clock. That'll be just kind of worship and reading of the Word, uh, 12 to 1 o'clock, Good Friday. But So this, this season for, for the church, for the Christians, this season is broken up into two days. We have Good Friday. This is the day that we celebrate that uh, Jesus was crucified, that he willingly went to the cross to lay down his life for our sins and, um, and for our restoration, not just our sins. He, he didn't just come to die for our sins, but he came to give us more than that, more than forgiveness of sins. He came to give us an inheritance in heaven. Um, he came to sanctify us. That's just to, to make us right, clean, and pure before him. He came to give us his Holy Spirit. But we celebrate two days. We celebrate Good Friday, and then we celebrate Easter Sunday. I want you to just think about this. So if Jesus Christ died for your sins, 
and, uh, and, it, and you put your faith in that. You're believing what the Bible says. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. So if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, and that happened on Good Friday, why do we need Sunday? What's Sunday about? You know, why, why do we even celebrate Sunday? What's going on on Sunday? I'm going to share that with you this morning. So, number one, why did Jesus need to die? The Bible tells us that it wasn't just a display of his love for us, although it was a display of love. It wasn't just to display his power that Jesus died and rose from the grave. But it was a transaction. There was a debt that you and I owed. And Jesus came to make a payment for a debt that you and I owed. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, this free gift of God, is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. When you and I sin, and all of us are sinners, we're all sinners in this place. There's no perfect people in this place right now. We've all sinned. The Bible says that because we've sinned, you remember the story of Adam and Eve in the garden? And when Adam and Eve sinned, they were separated from God. They were driven out of the garden. That's what sin does to us. Not only were they driven out of the garden, but the Bible says that God told them that the day that they ate of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they would die. But they ate of the fruit, and they, they just didn't keel over and die. But what happened is that they spiritually died. They were separated spiritually from God. And they were driven out from the presence of God. And that's what sin is. That's what sin does. The wages of sin is death. That's that separation that we have from God. And that's why, you know, guys, I'm going to just tell you that we try to work our way back to God. We try to work our way back to God by going to church, by doing good, by giving money, by saying prayers, by uh, reading the Bible. As I said, you know, many times we think by, by, you know, just coming to church. And all of those things are good, but that doesn't build the bridge between you and God. God came and Jesus came. And one of the things that happened on the day that he was crucified, it says that the veil of the temple was torn in half. And the veil was the place behind the veil is where the high priest would go every year to offer up the sins of the people. But in uh, tearing the veil, and it's interesting to note that the Bible says that the veil was torn from top to bottom, not from the bottom up. There was a great earthquake that day, but it was almost like God taking the veil and ripping it, so indicating that you and I have access. We don't need a priest to go before us so that we can have a relationship with God. God tore the veil down so that you and I can go in and have communion and fellowship in a relationship with God. And that's really what this whole story is about. It's not so that we could go to church, not so that we could have another religion. It's so that you and I could have a relationship with God the Father. It goes on to say, this is in Romans uh, uh, six, uh, 3.23. I don't have that in your notes, but it says, all of us have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. But this thing about sin and this payment for sin is uh, really illustrated you know, in this point right here, that, you know, God made a payment for my sin and for your sin. That payment is through his son, Jesus Christ. But you have to accept him. You have to accept that payment in order for it to be covered. Now, the, someone has said that hell is not a place that God sends people that he's mad at. Hell is a place that people go that want to pay 
their own debt. This is, this is, hell is not a, pe- a place where people go that God's mad at. Hell is a place that people go where they want to just say, God, I don't want your payment. I don't want the payment of Jesus. I don't care what he did on the cross. I'm going to pay my own debt. And you can never pay your own debt. There was an interesting case, uh, the United States versus a guy named Wilson, uh, George Wilson. This is in 1833. You can look this up on Wikipedia. It says... Uh, the Wilson was the defendant in this, and he was convicted of robbing the U.S. mail. And he was convi- uh, convicted and sentenced to death. But he had a lot of friends. And his friends went to um, Andrew Jackson, who was the president at that time, and sought a pardon from Andrew Jackson on behalf of their friend. Um, and so Andrew Jackson granted a pardon for this guy named Wilson, George Wilson. And when Wilson got the piece of paper, he refused to accept it. And so they took this case to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled, and this is the decision of the court, it says a pardon is a deed to the validity of which delivery is essential. And delivery is not complete without acceptance. It may then be rejected by the person to whom it is tendered. And if, and if it is rejected, we have discovered no power in the court to force it upon him. And Wilson, this guy George Wilson, was hung because he refused to accept a pardon. He paid the price for his own sin. This is what you and I will do if we refuse the gift that God has given us. The second point that I'd like to make this morning is why did Jesus need to rise from the dead? This is kind of crazy, but let me just deviate. You know, we all have pets. We all have dogs and cats and, you know, little critters that we either like or love. And we go to great expense to take care of them. And uh, vet bills, I mean, you know, we don't mind it, you know. I mean, we, we want to keep them alive. Well, we've got this dog. She's an old dog. She's about 12 years old now. And that's a lot in dog years. Um, but she's, we've noticed over the last couple of months that she just she goes into these seizures. And she'll start having a seizure. And it's like she goes blind. She walks into the wall. And uh, she has these, like, little tremors. And, you know, she seems confused and dazed. And so uh, this has been going on for a few months. And uh, the other morning, I was just in my quiet time, you know, uh, looking at the word. And I could hear this noise in the garage, just like, you know, crashing noise. And we've got a, a total of, we have two dogs, and Jason has the dog. So we have three dogs that are, you know, in the garage and tearing things up, chewing things up. And it's like we, we're always going through puppy stage. You know, it's just like as soon as you get one of them trained not to chew things up, here comes another one that starts doing it. So I just assumed they were out there just tearing the garage up, cardboard boxes and exercise equipment. And, uh, but I walk out there, and to my dismay, this old dog is uh, in the corner, and she's dying. I mean, her mouth is bloody, and she's been thrashing, and she's banged her head, and she's just like, she's, she, you know, she's just out, and, uh, you know, she's just like taking her last breath. And, uh, but I, I just kind of pulled her out to the center of the garage so she wouldn't be hitting anything, and that she could just die in peace, you know, it's just like, you know, and I've just got my hands on her, and I'm just like, God, I'm so sorry. And I, I just ask that you just comfort her and 
you know, it's just like, you know, I, you know, you hate to, it's, I mean, we're saying goodbye. This is goodbye, and, you know, and I'm, you know, she's been a good dog, and, you know, and so I got her out there, and I go back in, and I'm thinking about, okay, I got to bury her, and, you know, the ground's frozen. We've got a backhoe. I thought, well, I'll just see if the guy can bring the backhoe out. We'll dig a hole and get her in it, you know, and I'm just dreading all of this, and, uh, Man, I go back out about 10 or 15 minutes later, and she's up. She's like wagging her tail, bouncing all around. Like, what the heck is going on? You know, so I mean, you know, I, I just think that, you know, sometimes when we think it's over, and, you know, many times you and I have done this in our own lives. We messed up our own lives, you know, through drugs or alcohol or bad decisions that we've made, you know, we, you know we, and we have to own our own, you know, our mess-ups. And, uh, and yet God is so gracious and he's so merciful to us that no matter how many times we mess up our life, it's not like, you know, I messed up my life and, and God's saying, okay, well, you did this, you know, and so, you know, you're just going to have to suffer the consequences. You know, God overlooks that. And, you know, he, he looks at our lives and the Bible says that his mercies are new every day. I, I love this psalm and I've been using it a lot lately. It's uh, Psalm 143, verse 8. And it says, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. This is from Psalm 143. And David, you know, this man after God's own heart, David was called a man after God's own heart. And uh, he wrote most of the Psalms. But uh, he finds himself in a place, you know, the man after God's own heart, where he's messed up. And uh, man, you know, life is bad. Life has just taken a turn and he's in a very bad place, and, you know, he's distraught, and he's distressed, and he's got depression, and uh, he's disappointed, thought that God was going to do something, thought that things were going to turn out different in his life, and he's just kind of this woe is me kind of moment, and then it says in verse 5 of chapter uh, 143, he says, and then I remembered, I remembered the goodness of God, kind of like the prodigal son, the prodigal son, when he was in the land, you know, he left the father's house with all of the money and all of the, his possessions, uh, his inheritance, and he gets out feeding the pigs, and, you know, and then he runs out of money, and life is just bad. And uh, it says that he remembered how great things were in the father's house, and he has a change of heart, and he decides that he wants to go back. And that's kind of where David is. He remembers how, how good things were or how good things used to be in the father's house. I remember one of the Psalms where he says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go up to the house of God and worship. You know, these are the kind of things. David says, you know, better is one day in your court than a thousand elsewhere. And David, you know, talking about, you know, the Lord being his shepherd and, and not wanting anything, that, you know, God would make a table for him in the presence of his enemies, remembering all the good things of God. And guys, I want to just encourage you this morning is, you know, you think about, you know, matter, no matter where you are and health or finances or relationships or with your children, um, you know, or just in your grief or sorrow, um, you know, I just want to know, want you to know that God knows you. He knows where you are, and he's not going to leave you where you are. You know, he is going to come and rescue you, and that's really what resurrection is about. Now, let me just kind of move quickly through this. So, why did Jesus need to rise from the dead? Let me just give you a couple of reasons why Jesus needed to rise from the dead. Number one, he needed to prove to those that he'd made statements about himself, he needed to prove who he was or who he had claimed to be. It says in Matthew chapter 12, 
that, you know, the religious leaders, Jesus was constantly doing battle with the religious leaders. He says that some of the religious leaders, this is after Jesus had just performed what we call messianic miracles. These were only miracles that were assigned or ascribed to the Messiah, and that was uh, giving speech to the mute person, loosening the tongue of the mute, and opening the ear of the deaf. He had just done that. He'd just done this miracle. And then some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law came to him. After witnessing this miracle, they came to him and said, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign. But even to those enemies of his, he says, But none will be given it except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And he was talking about his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. He said that, you know, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, you know, I'm going to be crucified. They're going to put me in a tomb. But after three days and three nights, I'm coming out. I'm coming out. And that's something for you and I to shout about, by the way. When he says he's coming out, that's for all of us. And so, um, and he tells the disciples four times, starting in Matthew chapter 16, 17, 20, and 26, uh, he mentions to the disciples, you know, four times, actually five different times, twice in Matthew 26, that he's going to be crucified and he's going to be raised from the dead. We see him telling his disciples that five times. He told the religious leaders, those that didn't believe in him, once that he was going to be crucified and that he would... Uh, be raised from the dead, and all of a sudden, you got people that don't believe in him, or believe who he says he is, that believe what he says about raising from the dead, you got the disciples he told five times that he's going to be raised from the dead, and it's like they still didn't get it, they still couldn't understand that. So, you know, no other God, no other God in all of the religions of the world has ever made this claim, no one has ever made this claim that they would be put to death and then they would be raised from the dead. The second point is that the power of the resurrection is the, the power that saves and redeems us. Jesus says in John chapter 5, Verily I tell you, a time is coming, and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those that hear will live. As I mentioned earlier, that when you and I sin, we separated ourselves from God, and we became spiritually dead toward God. But what Jesus is saying here, a time is coming and has now come when the dead, those that are spiritually dead, will hear the voice of the Son of God and those that hear will live. God may be speaking to some of you this morning. You know, maybe you're here and you've had a, a, a religion relationship with God, but God wants you to have that personal relationship. And maybe you're hearing the Spirit of God, the voice of God speaking to you this morning, that these words are true, that Jesus Christ was not just a good man. He was the son of the living God who came for one reason, and that was to die on the cross for my sins and for your sins. And if you receive this, to as many as receive this, he gave them power to become the sons of God. It's the power of the resurrection that saves us and redeems us. It's the power of the resurrection that gives us power and strength to, to overcome. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, it says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. It's because of the resurrection that God gives us, gives you and I this power. You'll remember 
when Jesus is telling the disciples he had been, after he had been resurrected from the, the dead, uh, the Bible says that he spent about 40 days on the earth. And at one of those times, he went to his disciples and he told them, he says, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait in, Jeru in Jerusalem until you receive, what did he say? Power. He said, I want you to go to Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. And that is a power to be a witness, to be to a power to live a godly life, power to uh, proclaim the gospel. It is a power of the resurrection that we have strength to live. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, by His divine power, God has given us everything that we need for godly living. And you've heard me say this before. God does not give you His Holy Spirit to make you holy. Uh, or he doesn't give you the Holy Spirit because you are holy. He doesn't wait till you become holy before He gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives you the Holy Spirit. That's the power to live the kind of life that He's called you to live. And finally, it's the power of the resurrection that we have hope. God has given us hope through this resurrection in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. For the last one was 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Praise be to the God of our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth and a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, when we start looking at this, we have this living hope in us, and we start thinking that, you know, the Bible says, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he will quicken your mortal body. That means he will give life to your mortal body. He will give you life. And this gives us hope. So if, Jesus, if God was able to raise up Jesus from the dead, if he was able to do that, and that same spirit dwells in you and I, what problem, what problems can, can, you, can we face? What problem do you have right now that God, if he can raise the dead, what problem do you have with addictions or sin or relationships or marriages or children or finances or health? What problems do you have that he cannot overcome? I'm telling you, the Bible says that there is nothing that is impossible for those that believe. Nothing is impossible to those that believe. On December the 17th, 1927, uh, while surfacing, the submarine was rising, and a Coast Guard uh, ship hit it and caused it to sink to the bottom of the ocean floor. And, uh, I mean, crews from all over were trying to save these men that were, you know, on the submarine. And uh, they sent down divers, and the divers could hear uh, this little tapping from the inside of the submarine. And it was a Morse code message. And the men were tapping out in dots and dashes, is there any hope? Is there any hope? Is there any hope? I'm going to tell you that the hope that we have, mankind cannot live without hope. But the Bible says that you and I have hope because of the resurrection of the dead. I mean, we can hope, we can get through anything because of what Jesus Christ did. The dying on the cross for our sins, that happened on Friday, and, but there was a lot more that happened after Friday. I mean, you can be saved. You can be saved by, because of what happened on Friday, but there is a power that all of us need. There's that overcoming power that all of us need. That power comes from the resurrection on Sunday morning. Amen? God is good. Our God is good. So we're going to come around to the table of the Lord, and uh, 
I'm going to ask our servers to come and, and bring the elements, the body and what we call the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are elements. It's a, you know, unleavened bread and fruit of the vine, and they represent the broken body of our Lord and Savior Jesus, and they represent the shed blood of Jesus Christ. As they're gathering that, I want to just share with you um, that this message of resurrection is clear, and uh, guys, you know, the church has been sitting in the sidelines for way far too long, and we don't realize, I don't think we realize the power that has been given to us. There is authority and there's power that we have. The enemy must no longer do as he pleases in the areas of our life. We are people of power and authority. And the Bible tells us that as a child of God, that we need to arise and break every chain that the enemy has placed about us. You guys can come on up if you want to. Now the Bible says in Hebrews, let us run the race that was so set before us. Let's, let's you know, break this chain. Let's break this weight, this shackle. It's almost like the, the picture of a, a man in a starting gate, a sprinter in a starting gate, and he wants to run a 40-yard dash, but he's got a 50-pound weight shackled to his leg. And the Bible says that you and I need to get rid of those, rid ourselves of these weights. You know, there, we need to break the, the, the chains of marital problems and the chains of addiction and poverty and unbelief and doubt and... Uh, just denying God's word. We need to break the chains that hinder us um, from being a blessing. And God is saying that he has given you and I the power to do that. He's given us the power to break every chain because he, Jesus, is alive forevermore. In John chapter 6, Jesus kind of is separating the sheep from the goats here. And you know, he had a lot of disciples. Now, we talk about the 12 apostles and the 12 disciples, but there were hundreds and hundreds of disciples that were following Jesus. And in John chapter 6, it says, the people asked Jesus, what are the things that God wants us to do? What kind of works? As I mentioned earlier, we talk about the works of God. What kind of work does God want us to do? And Jesus said, this is the work of God, to believe in the one to believe in the one that God has sent. That simply means to put our faith and our trust and our hope in Jesus Christ. In verse 32, he says that my Father gives you the true bread that comes from heaven. God's bread is the one who comes down from heaven. He's speaking about himself and gives life to this world. He came down from heaven, this bread of heaven, Jesus refers to him. One of the metaphors is bread. This bread of heaven comes down to this world to give life to the world. And the people said to him, Sir, give us this bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread that gives life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who, he who believes in me will never thirst. And then in verse 47, he says, I tell you the truth, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread that gives this life. In verse 50, he says, Here is the bread that comes down. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh. I give my flesh so that the people in the world will have life. And I tell you the truth, you must eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and you must drink his blood. And this caused a great problem with the disciples. And as a matter of fact, it says that many of his disciples left at that point because they knew that the commandment said you should not eat 
human flesh, you should not drink blood, any kind of blood, human or animal blood. But Jesus goes on. He says, whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will live in me, and I will live in him. I am the bread that came down from heaven, and he who eats this bread will live forever. And his followers said, this is a hard saying. Who can accept it? And it says at that point that many of his disciples left at that time. And Jesus looks at the 12, and he said, are you guys going to go away as well? Are you going to leave me as well? And Peter, Peter always seems the one that jumps up and kind of takes the charge, takes the lead here. But Peter said, Lord, we don't understand what you just said. It's just like over my head. I don't understand what you said. But I know you, and I trust you, and I know that you have words to eternal life. Guys, I'm going to tell you that every once in a while, we'll come across something in the Bible that we don't understand and that we don't get. I mean, all kinds of things, you know, from sexual sins to uh, divorce and, you know, murder and hatred and unforgiveness in our hearts. And we, we kind of think, well, this can't be that bad. And, and maybe God will make an exception for me. And let me just tell you that there are things that we don't understand, but I want you to choose to err on the side of being obedient to God's word. Because God says that he will bless the obedient. He will bless your obedience. It's not the hearers of the word that are justified before God, but it's the doers of God's word. God's word. And so Peter says, Lord, we don't understand that. You just said something that we don't understand, but we know this. We believe that you have the words to eternal life. And they continue to follow. The Bible says in Romans, Romans chapter 4, verse 25, Jesus was given to die for our sins, and he was raised from the dead to make us right with God. And we have been made right with God because of our faith. The Bible says that he that knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God through him. This bread of heaven, this is what we're going to partake of this morning this bread and this drink. So I want to encourage you to just stand up and come, and you're welcome. This is not our table. This is the Lord's table. And if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, he welcomes everyone at his table. If you'll take the elements and then just go back uh, to your seat, and then we will partake together. There is power
Jesus to break every chain, break all my chains, break all your chains, yeah. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Someone say the other day, kind of an interesting story. This lady was saying, uh, I'm going to be making some changes in my life. And if you don't hear from me, you're one of those changes. No, that wasn't Nina. But guys, I'm telling you that God is calling us to make some changes. But you can't do it in your own power and you can't do it on, in your own strength. God gives us through this resurrection power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, he can make all the changes in your life that he wants to make. So the Bible tells us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. All of you partake and we will. The Bible says that this cup is the new covenant the blood of Jesus shed for the forgiveness of sin. All of you partake. He says that as often as you eat this bread and as often as you drink this cup, you're showing and remembering the Lord Jesus until he comes again. See, there's three parts of that story. The death of Jesus the resurrection of Jesus, and the coming back of Jesus. We need to be preparing our hearts, looking forward to the coming back of Jesus. So we're going to just do another course of that, and then I'll come back up. You guys take about another 30 seconds, minute or so. We're going to sing. I want you guys just to worship the Lord. If you've got something in your life, your life that you want Jesus to break, is there a chain of bondage in your life? Do you want him to break that chain? I'm telling you, that our God's not far away. He will not neglect the cry of the, afflict of the afflicted. He will hear your cry, and he will move on your behalf.
breakfast here at 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock. And then at 10 o'clock, we're having a work day. This is an all-church work day. We'll be working outside, inside. We need guys that knew, know construction. We'll be working on the new addition, but landscaping as well. And that's going to go from 10 to 2. We'll be serving lunch here. We've got to have the grill all fired up and want to encourage all of you to come and be a part of that. Lord, we just thank you for your life, for your goodness, for your favor upon us, Lord. We thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. And we thank you for your resurrection power that you've given to each of us, Lord God, to live a life, a victorious life, a conquering life. We thank you for that. Ask your blessing to be upon all of these people, Lord, as we go out. God, let your angels be about us. Deliver us from sickness and disease, accident and harm, sin and temptation of sin. Father, fill us with the fire of your Holy Spirit. Let us be bold witnesses for your son, Jesus. We say amen. Amen. God bless you guys.
Through storms and we have walked through sorrow. 